breathe lots to my microphone. Yeah, lots, not less. <laughs> That'll be fun to edit. Welcome to the getgood.cg podcast. My name is Jaden and this is the podcast where two CG artists are documenting our journey to get good and sharing some thoughts that could be useful for you. I am also here, just oh, yeah. in case you were wondering. Yeah, by the way, yeah, Chris, he, he totally exists as well. Um, I was trying to do like, yeah, let's do like a formal intro right off the beginning. Um, it's really early in the morning here at the moment, so... Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Get Good Nights. Probably a bit more of like a lo-fi energy coming into this one. Uh, yeah, maybe I should put some lo-fi beats on my headphones in the background. That'd be nice. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, so Chris, how, how have you been lately? What have you been working on? I have been, surprisingly enough, working on animation. Character animation in games. Nice. I've actually... <laughs> I'm actually coming in with a bit of beef uh this morning do you want to hear about my beef yeah man software beef yeah yeah i just finished uh rendering out the first of a couple of renders i'm doing of my new animation it's a uh, sort of like a weighty walk cycle with like a big dude and a shield and i've been using maya as my primary daily drive and it comes with arnold the fantastic renderer that was bought by autodesk back in i think it was like 2017 now, I purchased an indie mail license, and it's a bit of a rod because you get one year at the discount price, and then they sort of automatically update you after that to the full pricing, and there's no way to go back down. So it's not really an indie license. It's just sort of, sort of like a sneaky license. But when you buy an indie license for something, wouldn't you expect it to come with everything that you need to be an indie artist? Meaning independent? Yeah, yeah. Look, Would, you'd wouldn't think you just that. expect yeah. that? You'd assume yeah. it comes with all the bells and whistles needed to be an indie, uh, indie artist. It's not and... like a, a big company will try and shill, shill you, would it? Oh, no. I mean, companies are our friends after all, and there's no way that their interests don't align with mine. <laughs> it is capitalism after all. The market should dictate these things. Uh, <laughs> but that's not even the problem. If I had to pay separately for Arnold, and I knew I had to pay separately for Arnold, I would be a little bit upset, but I'd accept it, because that's their model. So why did it work up until now, and then stop working? It wasn't a trial, it just worked. And I assumed, obviously, because it was working, that that meant that I had a license for it. And in this particular case, it got halfway through my render, and, I mean, I don't have the best setup in the world. I have a pretty decent setup, but doing CPU-intensive renders takes days. So it got halfway through my batch render, and then it started printing a watermark <laughs> on my work. Arnold, like, you know, in big letters, just scrolled across the page. And I was a little cranky about that. Yeah, so... a little bit. Are you going to speak to the manager? Um, I didn't go Karen on them. Yeah. But 
I did immediately uninstall the plugin and install the new version of Render Man Non-Commercial. <laughs> oh, right. Look, I mean, you know, there's always the pirate's life. Well, look, I'm sitting here looking at a... It's a... Uh, what do you call it? Is it Cisco? Cisco server blade that I got for cheap from a government surplus thing a while ago. It's got, like, you know, dual quad CPUs in it from... 2015 you've got some potato server did you say yeah some potato server and i could set that up as my render my render farm like run promox off it and just like blast out these renders in under a day it would sound like a jet engine (laughs) while it was running and i'd have to just pretend like i couldn't hear anything and be like my wife would be like oh what's that noise i'd be like i don't know it's just not thousands of watts of power don't worry about it um (laughs) Yeah, my de- my but, desktop does that as well. It it'll just like suddenly just get really loud. Really loud. It's like, I don't know. We're we're, talk- we're talking server volumes, man. There's a reason they're underground. Uh, okay. <laughs> but I can't even set up my renders on that. So what do you so? Because when when you don't have the licenses, when you don't have the mail licenses, when you don't have the Arnold licenses, you can't actually deploy them separately to each of the virtual machines you'd be running to take advantage of the cores. So the only way that I could do it is if I like bundled it up as like a GPU cache or an Alembic or something and then deployed it separately using something like Tractor or Flamingo or something and then, you know, deployed it all separately. But then I'd need something like Blender Cycles to open it up and it'd just be an absolute nightmare. It, wouldn't it just be nice if these things just worked the way they were advertised? Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> anyway, that's my beef. What have you been working on? Rant. Um, well, that's my rant for today. What's uh, what does uh, Seth on the Akimbo podcast say? He's like, and that's the end of my rant. <laughs> well, I have been working on my old assignments from a uh, CGMA, uh, hand painted stylized art, and so. Uh, I redid my orc axe and I just finished a sci-fi phone booth, both hand-painted. Um, you can see them on Twitter. I'll put links in the description. But it's J underscore... No. Shit, I don't even know what my Twitter handle is. You'd think I'd know this by now, but... You know, maybe maybe take another run at that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at JSO underscore art. Links in the description. So, yeah, I've just been uh, working on with my stylized sci-fi phone booth, which is pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, did that in Blender and Photoshop. I think during the course I might have used a bit of 3D Coat, uh, which is really good program for texture painting, just working between uh, Photoshop and uh, 3D, just like really good seamless integration. Uh, yeah, so actually, like, I'm tempted there's, to buy it. There's a new, new slimmed down version of that coming out soon, oh, right. where it's just the texture painting tools. Oh, really? Without any of the modeling stuff? Yeah, I mean, I'm down for that, you know? like Probably probably better value, because they've probably identified that that's really what people are using it for, unwrapping and painting. Yeah, I mean, Blender, it's got some alright texture painting, but it's fiddly to get set up, so... I mean, like like a lot of people were telling us in the comments, it's it suffers from a bit of that hybrid tax, like we talked about in the software episode. Yeah. It can do stuff. I'm waiting for brush nodes to come out. The guys at the Blender Foundation, they talk about getting everything onto nodes. And once brush nodes are out, that's going to be a pretty big game changer. Sorry, what did you say? Expression nodes? 
brush nodes. Oh, brush nodes. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So you can actually change the behavior of the brush based on the like the node system like used with material nodes at the moment. Yeah, I really struggle with um, just the nodes, like the, the brush settings where you just have like a curve and you got to like do all this stuff to make it work. It's like, ah. Well, there's the hotkeys where you can pull out the fallout and stuff. That's always pretty handy. Yeah, I mean, I just use like the um the, de- the default ones. I use like a hard one or a mostly hard one pretty much 90% of the time. So Anyway, um, so but you got that out and it's up on all your socials. Yeah, it's up on my People socials. People can go check out the sci-fi phone booth if they're interested in how we're getting good. So what's our uh, what's our primary topic to today? For today, you you sort of came in with an interesting one. You you wanted us to do a bit of a listener mailbag. Yeah, yeah, we uh, we've got some listener mail, and you may have just hinted at it in one of the previous comments. <laughs> uh, let's see, let's flick through the tabs and see what we got. So we've got Coco Z uh, on what was it? Episode two. Why does soft? Why does the art software you use matter? Yep, I can read. So. Uh, it's very early for Jaden. You'll have to forgive him. <laughs> yeah, I, I woke up this morning. I'm like, this is an unnatural time to be alive or human. But meanwhile, I'm I'm here like sorting out like render farm <laughs> issues, and I'm just like, hey, you want to do the pod? And you're like, Whoa. <laughs> all right. So Coco Z, you said, <laughs> uh, blended having everything but not perfect at those things. I totally agree with. I noticed that with most simulations, since it's the thing that I currently care about, you can do low quality and or very simple simulations, but it isn't very scalable. The software is four out of ten when it comes to simulations, if you ask me, and it forced me to start dabbling in Houdini. Huh. Yeah, and I think I think what's really cool about Blender is while it does get hit with that hybrid tax, it's a pretty good platform to come in and use that to propel yourself somewhere off where you it's the 3d suite where it's got all in one you can touch everything yeah you don't have to install multiple softwares you, you can touch a bit of everything yeah it's like when you go you to might... like a gelato shop and you go oh, can i try the mango one and you just like get a little <laughs> get those little spoons and you try like a little mango gelato it's like uh, uh maybe i'll have the chocolate I... look I, I come in point get the one i want complain about the price and leave <laughs> yeah typical but yeah, I think that um, I think that's what has really helped Blender grow. Just the fact that it is so diverse, and people can just use it as a platform to jump into other things. Like this person has going into Houdini. Yeah, I, the thing is that Blender, like Maya, once you strip out all those additional little things it can do, it's a really good platform. Like I, I always called Maya a universe where you fill it with your tools, whereas Blender is also a universe, but it just comes pre-filled with those tools. Mm. Um, so like that's that's good or bad, depending on how you look at it. Because with Maya, a lot of studios use it as the foundation of their pipeline, and then they layer custom tools over the top. Blender has a bit of that like overhead where it's already got those in there, and you have to decide whether to use it out of convenience and deal with the problems or sort of strip it out and do it yourself but it does have that same sort of pipeline foundational status where you can sort of pull it in a couple of different directions and like with the uh recent 
Adobe uh, joining the Blender Development Fund and they're releasing uh, tools to like bring in Mixamo animations and substance stuff. I like, think I saw a meme about that and I'm like, oh god. But <laughs> don't worry about it. Like the the thing is that what Blender does is it takes away the need to have another sort of like ge- geometry processing software because a lot of the time what people are doing in 3D, if it's not 3D animation, it's stuff just like visualization like uh substance now has the adobe stager thing where it's just making stock images out of placing different things into the scene using dynamics on them right it's just like for the creation of images mostly for marketing and you still just sometimes need something there to just tweak a couple of things but what they'd rather do is have the asset there and just use the asset as an element of a larger scene and that's where Blender comes into a lot of people's pipelines is because they just need something to just like get under the hood and pop something yeah. out. Yeah, right. And so they're basically just joining the fund to make it more seamless to work with Adobe products. Yeah, well, Adobe have struggled with 3D. Like, I'm so glad. They, want, they, they wanted to be Autodesk, but Autodesk was already there. And so they've sort of been nibbling around the edges and then Epic came through. It's and like that sad were... dog that's just like around the house, like, you know, on a winter night. Like, can I come in? Well, look, I reckon there were, when the Epic Mega Grants started coming out, I reckon there were a lot of very tense meetings at Adobe. Because like, huh. <laughs> their strategy was probably to acquire half of the things that Unreal was acquiring. And even Unity now is acquiring things like Speedtree and oh, really? all these other things. So, like, Adobe's business model has sort of been taken and run with, and they are behind. Yeah, I mean... Uh, with the recent news of uh, Epic Games acquiring Sketchfab, how do you how do you feel about this? See, I don't I don't use Sketchfab at all at the moment. I had vague plans of investigating it, but because I'm not really a modeler and there is some serious limitations to what you can do animation wise on that platform, it hasn't been very big on my radar. But I I see how something like that being democratized would have been better but of all of the companies that could have acquired it epic's probably the best for now yeah i mean i i it's 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 pretty exciting for them to you know join a big company where they can get all these funds and like they do have some it does look like they've got some pretty cool perks coming to it for the users where it's like you can get, I think, the pro license or whatever it is for free. I haven't looked too closely at what it is. It does look like the users are getting something good from it. But but I... that's the thing. It was doing what it needed to do already. It was being a platform where you could upload a 3D model and do some basic you know, yeah. web stuff with it. Now it has to turn a profit. Mm. So there's going to be all kinds of pro levels and changes and features. And it'll venture into spaces that look more profitable rather than just being what it was, which was an easy way to upload models to the internet. Yeah, well, a lot of a lot of the people talking around it, like people that were working at Sketchfab, were saying, "Yes, we've been working on getting this for a while," and a lot of people were congratulating them. And I kind of thought, like, it's a bit sad where, like, small smaller companies, they kind of 
their, their goal is just to get consumed by a big corporation. It's kind of like, it's a bit sad. It's, it removes that sort of scrappy nature where they've they've got a bit of get up and go and you want to sort of like support them because they're not just a capitalist machine yet. Yeah. Speaking of company acquisitions not going well, there has been some new uh, news, let's say, coming out of California from the Activision Blizzard direction. Did you want to maybe touch on that a little, seeing as that was what you came into the podcast Uh, sort of talking about as your dream dream sort of position does that change yeah that was uh that was a bit a bit tender for me because uh well not really tender but a bit of a sore spot for me because uh i've always like probably so many people always wanted to work at blizzard it's a goal that i'm you know currently working towards and just to see that it's got this frat boy culture where you know they basically just act like assholes and like we've got to see, you know, to what extent it really is. But it's pretty disheartening to see that it's, it's all, that yeah. it's you know got those really bad allegations. And look, if anybody wants to go and read that uh, article that's sort of been flying around Twitter space and the internet over the last little while, just be aware there's some pretty heavy stuff in there. I don't know enough to make the trigger warnings about it, but just go into it with your eyes wide open as it were because like some of that stuff's pretty yeah heavy. yeah look it's um it's definitely a bit of a demotivator to sort of go and work at blizzard um but you know i'd i'd probably try and work there anyway you know got to change the culture somehow but well the thing is that the reason that they could get away with that is that people do have that association with them. People will put up with a lot for something that they value well, yeah, as highly yeah, their, as their name on your resume is just absolute gold. They, and they, they know, know that. that. And that's... You know, they can kind of be however they want to be. Which is... Yeah. Well, active litigation, yeah. we'll see to that. And that that's the thing, is that they obviously feel they have enough on on this in an evidenced manner to take it to litigation and that's pretty damning um regardless of what they have to you know say for themselves over the last yeah, well, few I mean, years Blizzard's been around for a while so i reckon there'd be there'd be a backlog of stories it's interesting because like the litigation would probably focus on the breadth of it so even if the company culture has been reformed in the last few years, like they're claiming, it doesn't really change anything. And there's been, honestly, like low-boiled rumors and accusations coming out of that for like 10 years or more, you know, like even before Activision bought them out, you know, like, I know I was listening to a podcast called, what was it? The Game Maker's Notebook. It's by this guy who works at Insomniac Mm -hmm. Games and he was interviewing the head of Blizzard and I don't know, just I don't I don't want to get into defamation territory, but just it just sounded very light, like there was only so much about himself he could talk about. He really wanted to talk about where he was from and how he got there and not a whole lot about where he was and yeah, what he was doing. Right, right. <laughs> but I don't know. That was just the impression I got, so take it with a grain of salt and make your it own is just your personal judgments, opinion. I guess. You don't want to get sued here. 
our, our fourth yeah, 36 pretty much, riders uh, massive audience can you know really be damaging to Blizzard. Hey, mate, we have a very powerful, handsome audience who are beautiful, lovely people whom I love, and I really don't think you should talk like about them like bread, that. For example. I mean, like Garlic Bread, who left a yeah, comment on the podcast. Garlic Bread has been, uh, you know, watching all of our videos and commenting. Uh, it's been very good to see people like Garlic Bread sort of getting into the podcast. And he actually, oh, well, they actually asked a, a question and they asked us to talk about the Australian industry and how it compares to other countries. And that's an interesting segue because Activision is also here. So. Yes. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that regard, whether the suit affects Activision in general or whether it affects Blizzard more localized. Yeah, I don't know. Because um, you got Sledgehammer here and they're a wholly owned subsidiary. Um, but, you know, this sort of stuff crops up every now and then. Like it was EA for the longest time before that with the whole loot boxes thing. There's always a scandal yeah, going there's around. Always, there's always someone and there'll be someone after Blizzard. And that's the that's the thing. I think the game industry and the CG industry in general, even the VFX industry, they're so small that they're really, in my humble opinion, is not that much difference between state and country lines. It's just where the heat yeah. is, you know? And that, that does invoke that whole nomad culture thing where if you do want the best positions you probably have to be willing to travel for them and take a bit of crap and at the moment that's very difficult mm. but on the other side of things there is remote work becoming more mm. accessible yeah. um what do you think about I think that remote work is definitely going to make cg i think it's going to make it easier and maybe a little bit trickier for people in uh developed countries because it is enabling, I think, people in second world countries to uh, really come up as artists. And you know, it makes it more difficult mm. for us, but I think it's a good thing to see those people be able to really embrace their talents. But I think... Well, it, it does It does turn it more into a meritocracy, doesn't it? Because it's like your skills are what's actually going to define it once mm. those barriers have been removed. Yeah, I think it's removing some barriers. And you know, it's even good for for people like us in Australia, because, you know, I think as garlic bread is a little bit worried about maybe is that how the industry is in Australia, it is really not that good. You know, when you, when you look on the job seeking websites, it's like there's jobs around, but you know, they're only in certain cities, not where I am. And there's, they're far and few between, especially compared to probably the amount of people that, be applying there so i think that yeah. working from home is definitely going to help a lot of people live where they are so for us here in australia mm. you know we could get a job uh you know for a studio in london or the us or canada whatever that be and you know work remotely yeah yeah i think i think that will come in time um, to address the first point, the, the fact is that, again, because it's such a small industry, I don't think you can really expect it to be out, to the industry to be present in more uh, rural or less developed areas in that kind of way, just because even in other countries where it is more established, it's only in 
several of the major cities in those mm-hmm. countries if they have several major cities. Like, for instance, in England, if if you're getting a job in London or in um, Cambridge, Cambridge is where um, a lot of the the smaller game development companies okay. there are, yeah. and some of the big ones as well. Like that's where, where RuneScape actually you're is. And from Cambridge. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, Senu was Sacrifice, who made that? Uh, Ninja Theory, I think they're up there as well. The guys that got bought out by uh, Microsoft. But, yeah, but that's... Cambridge is kind of just London North, in my opinion. I know English people might have something to say about that, but... No. (laughs) The fact fact of the matter is, and the fact that we're not going to be going anywhere anytime soon... Uh, because of the big C, yep. <laughs> uh, I think there's a difference in remote work between taking jobs from those cities and bringing them to where you are, which I think will happen and I think will become more accessible, but I don't think it's yet happened. I think there is still a, an office or like a, a metropole orientation, even in remote work. Because for instance... I was reading an article on LinkedIn that talked about the most work-from-home-friendly cities in the world, and I think work-from-home is more what we have over remote, regardless of what it's called. Yeah, yeah. And because work-from... Because, for instance, in this article, it was an international article, um, but it had two Australian cities on there, Sydney and Melbourne. Melbourne was first, and Sydney was third for work-from-home availability but what it was talking about was how easy it is to be working in those cities and working from home during a lockdown or you know not going into the office not actually talking about distributing that work more broadly yeah 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 so i think people that are working overseas or you know possibly in different cities would still probably struggle in those regards for you know working from home then because it's yeah more work from home with a office orientation than you know hire uh you know jeff from california yeah and i think it's gonna take a while for people to get comfortable having zero access Mm. to people yeah because in work from home they're available they're in your time zone they're in the same city you can make stuff work and happen yeah. in remote they just exist as an email or a you so, know or something yeah google meet or, yeah and there's, yeah. there's some employers where they just feel safer being able to stare at you like a hawk well th- well look Take it from me, man. That does not stop when you're working yeah. from home. Yeah, I mean they they have ways uh, all to, kinds you know, of like watch you when you work from home. Key logging, yeah, I, idle idle mouse uh, trackers. Like if you if your mouse goes idle for too long, or like if you miss the timestamp that you're supposed to change the status of your work or whatever it is, they'll get in contact with you. It's just crazy. You can just get like a cat. Like, you know, whenever you need to go to the toilet, just get a cat and put them on your keyboard, well, and they can just play with your mouse. <laughs> People sell um, mouse jigglers, you know, like they that um, are designed to just keep the mouse moving, whether it's a software or a hardware oh, right. thing. Yeah, it just keeps it moving so that um, those sort of softwares don't register an absence. And the fact that that product needs to exist should be damning of the actual 
necessity of that type of work, yeah. you know. And on top of that, a lot of jobs in offices being redundant in the first place. And I think work from home is sort of showing that to be the case where a lot of people's jobs are to have jobs so that other people can have jobs. Like people like to have people working under them and mm. doing stuff. As long as stuff is happening, it doesn't matter what's actually getting yeah, done. Yeah, and I mean, there's some employers that I've worked for and they all they care about, is it done? Yes. Is it done well? Yes. More than that is all. And, and those, those and are the employers. That's a different that mentality. Really... And, it, and I think it comes from a different... Uh, a different industry a lot of the time as well because there are industries that have that as a culture and there are industries that don't and i think until a bit more of that officey iron grip sort of thing starts to like the fear around that starts to get loosened that's that's before you're going to see more of this remote work distributed and sort of to return a bit to was it mr garlic bread's yeah. question um australia is an outward-facing economy. So he's asking what what the game or the VFX or the CG industry looks he's like. He's asking... You have to be They are asking about, yeah, just the Australian industry and how it compares to other countries. And You're right. I did just gender him as a he. We should say they because I have no idea. Um, my point is that as an economy, we are outward-facing. As a place to work, we are outward-facing. Yeah. And that's the case for a lot of places that are not California or England or Seattle or New York. And that's because there are a couple of metropoles in these industries, depending on which industry yeah. you're in. And if you're not in them, facing inward within them, you are outwards facing mm. towards them. And so you have to get comfortable with the idea of doing work that, whether it's outsourcing work or whether it's like, outsourced studio work that you are doing for a local studio who is doing the outsourcing work that's where you're going to find the australian industry as it was because if you, we are practically the 51st state of the united states let's just put it that way uh a lot of the time that becomes very clear yeah. um but we're also a very much more so socially democratic society with a lot more uh i don't want to like it's 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 not a it's not a high horse thing it's just that we do have a lot more social structures in place that make it difficult for those companies to bring that work here yeah. and in the way that they would have it in the states because we do have a lot more regulation and we do have a lot more uh employee the, requirements the, uh, the word that a lot of them hate yeah the <laughs> the unions uh the I mean, because we, we are a society based on unions. America only had a very weak union movement. Um, and so they they have a very uh, divisive sort of combative culture around unions. We do not. We are unions. Um, which is ironic that we don't actually have specific unions for games or for VFX. But that's because the work of the unions was done long before we were born by putting in into place years ago. the minimum wage, the award wage, the, you know, <laughs> all of these, these things that we have and all these things that our more socialized culture demand. And it does make it difficult for that work to be brought here natively. And so if you do want to do that work, if you don't want to be part of that industry at a higher level, if you're not doing something 
domestic, like in indie productions or something like that, you do have to accept that you'll probably be taking on work in a situation that is tacitly more difficult to navigate because you'll be getting less work for more money because they can't pay you less, so they will give you less to do. Yeah, and, you know, I think that, you know, the ongoing and indie sort of stuff, uh, you know, what we, our options are, are limited for AAA studios or you know large film vfx companies that's that's fairly limited here but i think beyond that going back to what we were saying before is remote working and that still has a way to go and especially for beginner artists you still need to pay your dues in terms of it's going to be a lot more a lot harder for a beginning artist to right off the bat get a job as a remote worker rather than uh you know someone that's experienced because visibility will certainly help with that i think we talked about this on the last podcast with the social media stuff visibility belies visibility and if somebody can look at you and say i recognize you and your work they're more likely to trust you with their work that's definitely true uh, shall we move on to the next uh, listener question? I mean, yes. Oh, you uh, have more to say on just, that. Just to cap that. Well, just to just to cap that one off. Uh, something that Gary V, uh, who's a sort of motivational speaker, he was one of the first investors in Uber and Twitter. For those who are unfamiliar, he's a bit of a character. What he normally says in in places like Australia, where we do have quite a bit of resource and time and stability you're looking at arbitrage and what arbitrage arbitrage is is an arbitrary differentiation of resources such as we have the ability to do things that are already being done elsewhere because they're not being done here so if you do want to look more locally there are options if you're creative to do more here because what already exists yes it's not original it does it technically already exists but it's not, it's not here. established and before it yeah before it gets here you could enter that space and be that thing for those people and that could be your foot in the door to establish yourself so when it does arrive you are the authority there in is that a vacuum space or a void and you you can take advantage of that by trying to fill that yes and and places like australia as an example, and other countries that do not already have an established industry, they have that power because as much as you hear about how dominated the space is and how busy the space is, it's always focused on somebody else. So if you can focus it more locally, if you can find customers, because we are talking about business, it is, it is art, but it's also business. If you can find customers locally, whether you're freelancing or whether you're starting a service or a product business or a game studio, if you can find customers here and target them, they will feel so much more loyalty to you and your company or you and your work because you're servicing their need. They're not having to change their need in order to fit the services available anymore. Yeah. That's all I had to say on that. Yeah, well, I think we can move on to uh, 
who was it on? The next question. On the next episode. What was it? Uh, so on our episode five for professionalism for freelancers in CG, we had Southern Skies. Mm. Any tips for on balancing nine to five work and doing freelance on the side? As a beginner, I struggle with this. <laughs> Chris, do you yeah. have any opinions on this at all? Look, anybody who's out there, like I'm interpreting this as a nine to five, not in the thing you're trying to freelance in. So that that's the assumption I'm making here. We can talk about the alternative yeah, I... in a in a while, but I sympathize with anybody in this position because it's not easy. It is. It's not easy. Like getting to a position where you you carve out that space, especially if you have other responsibilities beyond that nine to five, where you're focused and where you're getting stuff done and you feel like you're making progress. It's tricky. It's never not going to be tricky, but it is also a sheath of problems that is that are solvable, and they are different problems to the ones you'd have if you had all the time in the world. Yeah. I've done both. There's just as many problems. If you have all the time in the world, you have no pressure, you have no deadlines. For somebody like me who guaranteed undiagnosed ADHD. Me too, yep. <laughs> there's there's no pressure. There's and that's no, a problem. Yeah. It's so I would I would say that if you're in a position where you are doing your nine to five and you're trying to fit it in, in the in the edges around it find and secure your most valuable productivity time because if you can find an hour a day regardless of what hour it is if it's two o'clock in the morning if it's six o'clock at night if it's your lunch break where whenever you are most profitable in the hours you have available secure that keep it sacred and work on it because you're not going to get more i tried (laughs) it's it's like just because you have the time doesn't mean it is usable time. And but if you find your most profitable time, and profitable as in productive, you will be able to get 100% more done with a, just a short burst of focus and a consistency of a daily short burst, burst of focus. And that, I guess that sort of folds back into your yeah, one-hour yeah, thing. Yeah. So if... None of you have listened. Uh, our podcast on productivity, which was... Is that episode three? I would like to say yeah, yes. I believe that's right. On episode three, it was about productivity and sort of taking care of yourself while you are getting good and how to squeeze the most out of not a lot of time. And yeah, mm. the, the general gist was that if you can find just even if it's just like an hour a day or if you're really just you know time broke and you can only find half an hour then you know better than nothing but if you can find that time it's, it's really uh and you can do that consistently where you just pump out that pump out those exercises or whatever it is that is because because the consistency is yeah the key, because right when you're in that position just the fact that you're doing it in a repeated routine. fashion is giving you practice starting and yeah. finishing. Yeah, and routine is, it's, it is crazy good for anybody's mental health. If you have routine, then a lot of the things in your life become automated. You know, the more you, the more you routine your life, the more things that, you know, you don't really need to think about become automated. And 
it, it removes decision making yeah. overhead. Whereas you don't have, you've accepted that it's happening. It's not do I or don't I. It's I do. Yeah. What do so I? So if do? you want to get good at, um, I don't know, simulations, for example, then you know you have, and, and say you can wake up early and you wake up at uh, six o'clock and you go okay from six till seven in the morning. That's my uh, Houdini simulation time, and eventually that sort of sets in as a pattern. And you don't really have to think about when am I going to get this done. You just kind of you're just getting it done, an hour a day. And when you have mm. that one hour, and it's a part of your routine, that one hour becomes more and more and more and more efficient. You know, a lot of people they'll kind of wait around till like oh they'll wait to the weekend until they have this golden the circumstances yeah until right. they have like this golden you know six seven hour period of productivity with like yeah. Why, why do an hour every day during the week when I can wait until Saturday and do five hours all in one go? But the reality is... Because you won't. You yeah, will not do that. Because the reality is like <laughs> life ain't like that, yo. Like you, you will get distracted. You, your brain will get fatigued. You, as those five hours go by, you will get less and less productive. You'll have to stop for food. You will... And if you've been trying to squeeze it in the rest of the week and then you also put it on the weekend, you've made it so that you're never resting. You have never alleviated that burden off of yourself. And so all you're going to do is make it harder and harder and harder to commit to yeah. that on a regular basis by not carving out that margin and yeah. resting. And like it can be it can be really hard for some people to find an hour a day, uh, especially after work. So Two, two sort of examples for me was uh, two previous jobs I had. One was directly next to a cafe and I would wake up and I'd get there. I'd get to work or to the, to the shops where it is at eight. I'd start at nine. I get there at eight and I do an hour at a cafe just getting good. Mm. And that was, that just made the whole day better because I get that like endorphin hit and you know feel like I've been productive and I could go home and not have to worry yeah. about oh man I'm so lazy I'm not doing anything like I could feel good about just vegging out and that's a really good thing to do but with this with the job that I had after that the commute times that I had were much much different I was I had to get to work earlier and I was still working back to the same time mm. and. You know, I just felt like I, I tried to get off at 5 a.m. a few times to do some work. And I did that successfully a few times, but it never set in as a routine because. See, see, there's a thing, isn't it? Because I used to be a very solid 5 a.m. person. I would always get up at 5 a.m. and I'd do the first thing on my list and I'd try and get it out of the Eat way that before. Frog. Eat the frog. Yeah, like just get up and hit the first thing so you feel better about it the rest of the day. But I. And I used to think that that was the solution, like the solution, because it was working really well for me. And I always found that being an early bird got me more than being a night owl, because I just slow down and start to yeah, you lose slow focus. down. Night, although I will say that some that people there is that don't. point where I I am a night owl by nature, and so eleven thirty at night, right when I'm thinking I should go to bed, it's bang, I hit peak productivity or I start to peak. And I'm like, damn, I should ride this yeah. way for as long as I can. And then neck minutes, three But that's also where the routine yeah. comes in. Because if, if, ha- if you do 
want to have that solid hour and you do want to do it when you're freshest because that's the thing what you'll never have at the end of the day is the most energy you're going to have that day which is when you've just woken up once you've woken up had your coffee shoved your head under some cold water and you're fresh and ready to go like i am right now at the start of this podcast i was drowsy and now i'm (laughs) i'm feeling pretty good yeah like you, you get to that point and the thing is that that is the solution if you can do it. And honest, honestly, you have to look at your circumstances and really figure out if you can do it. Because if you're going to a nine to five, if it's not what you want to be doing, do you want to use your most productive time? Do you want to use your first actual work hours doing something for somebody else? at that highest leverage. I would rather spend the rest of my day doing that, giving them what I can after I've taken from my life what I want out of my life. Yeah. And that's that's what I'd prefer to do. But the other thing is that there are reasons why that's not possible. Like you're consistently getting home late and so then you have to eat and then that's the only time you have to do washing and you're feeling that by the time you're done, it's 12 o'clock and if you don't get to bed now, you're not going to get up on time to get to work. I get that. That's what I'm saying. Is Ideally, you would get up early and do that because that's your most productive time. But if you can't, that's fine too. Make it your lunch break. Make it after, after work. Ask yourself, are you really that tired a lot? Like if, if it comes to, do I want to do this now or do I just want to play Valorant or whatever? <laughs> ask, ask yourself, am I really too tired to do this or do I just feel that way? And once I actually look at the blank page or what have you, am I going to get into a state of flow? It's working towards my goals. And I think that's what goal setting really comes into place. You run it past your values. You figure out what behaviors do I want to put in place in order to be the version of myself that I like the look of the person who I would like to currently be and then act like that person. And I think, I, th- I think I'll, I'll sort of caution to when you're really tired and, you know, you sort of push yourself to work because that can really make you burn out, which is, you know, burnout is something that you've got experience with, Chris. Yeah. And so, yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when you do ask yourself, am I really that tired? Really consider that, yes, you might actually be that tired, but... The, the answer can be yes. Yeah, the answer can be yes. Don't beat yourself up about it. Just try and find any point in time and, and try to have it a routine, you know, just. And and try to break routines that you make by accident. If you're going to have a routine, have a routine on purpose. If you, if you keep accidentally getting into bad habits, that's when you need to start looking at the chain of habits that's leading to the bad habit and readjusting that. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that'll be waking up earlier. Sometimes it'll do a little bit of work on your lunch break or what what have you. I was always terrible at that. I always hated lunch yeah, break I, work. For me, working in an office, I, I I have to go for a walk. I'm stare at a wall, have a soft drink, whatever it is, because you're just surrounded by such concentrated human stupidity <laughs> in an office that it really does drain you. Yeah, and especially uh, if you're an introvert that, as well, that, that is just even worse. Yeah. 
And that's that's another thing that the whole remote work, work from home situation is empowering, is that maybe you're nine to five, but you're also in your own space. So there's less commute. It comes with its own issues. Like I think we talked about on one of the other pods, but you do get the comfort of your own space. But then you have to think about how to keep spaces and times holy, and it all gets into it. it. It's about choosing the problems you want to have. Choose the problems you want to have and actively address them. Yeah, I mean, them. yeah, it's you. You get to choose your problems to an extent, and you get to choose your sacrifice. You know, you don't get to choose whether or not you have problems or sacrifices. You just get to choose what they are and orient yeah. them that way. The 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 you have to look at what you have, what your strengths are, as opposed to others. You know. If you have all the time in the world, then your resource is time. If you're not working nine to five, your resource is time. Your lack is probably money. If you're working nine to five, your lack probably isn't money, or at least it shouldn't be if you're in a job that pays decently enough to support your lifestyle. And if it doesn't, then you have to take another look at that. But your your resource at that point is probably money and or stability. And that creates and a bit of a time find you know, shortage. Yeah, you will be short on time, but you can use that money to then, or the perks you get at work, like the time off, to target that lack and use the resources you do have in a more creative way. You just have to be aware of that and actively use it rather than just being at the whim of whatever life throws at you that and day. Just to just to touch on something we went to and went on to in our productivity podcast is not only routine and uh you know getting things done but also just taking care of yourself and making sure that not only do you have your productive time you have your not productive time well, you, you can't be productive if you're dead let's just yeah put it like that you've way. got to you got to take time and you've got you've got to know where your limits are and unfortunately, in order to find out where your limits are, you do need to push yourself, and there are risks in that, in like you know, burning out. But yeah, it's one of those games where you have to try and get as close to touching it as possible without ever crossing the line. Yeah, and, and there's going to be points where that line is going to be a little bit closer, and it just takes time and experience to really find out where that is for you, and and. High expectations, but also high self forgiveness. Yes, yeah, and and you've got to you've got to know what is something for you to to wind down and help you feel relaxed and refreshed. Whether or not it's a power nap, going for a walk, read a book, um, poon some noobs in mm. Overwatch, uh, whatever <laughs> it is, you know. Like I I I've, what I really love about Overwatch is you can just log in, uh, go on with the expectation of owning noobs, and then plot twist you are the noob that gets owned but that's okay um and then you know i do one or two games and then i go back to work and that's really great you can't do that in an office but uh and for those of us with high anxiety you can choose another (laughs) activity that won't lead to large amounts of stress and emotional uh distress so you know you gotta you gotta learn what your what things you have to help you uh, you know, feel feel relaxed, feel less stressed, and feel recharged. Because the thing is, if you are high anxiety, uh, or you're just stressed, and you're on not a lot of sleep, or you're not eating properly, you know, whatever the issue is, if you don't have those things addressed, then that is going to affect your productivity. 
Mm. And so it's really important. And it, it that, that'll change also depending on whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. Because if you're an introvert, you will rest in your quiet alone time. Whereas if you're an extrovert, you really do, do need to figure out how to recharge in like a space with lots of people and energy. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, to, to sort of summarize what we've been saying to Mr. Sudden or Mrs. Sudden Skies is you've got to, I, for me, I think that the most important thing is about an hour a day as a routine, preferably in the morning, uh, you know, right before work or, you know, whenever that is, where you can just beforehand write out a list of the things that you want to uh realistically achieve and have have goals but don't don't put time limits on them because the fact is you are not going to be ahead of the curve in the situation you're in you just have to get as much done as you can get done and the fact that you're doing puts you ahead of 99% I I will push back on that a bit uh, in that I'd say set goals but realistic goals that you can achieve in an hour because what I I don't know maybe this is just a me thing or is a dopamine thing whatever but I really get the I really get satisfaction from writing a list and then at the end of whatever I've been doing just go through and like tick 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 even if it's just like you know have lunch have breakfast put out your washing or whatever I get that satisfaction to be like tick look I'll, I'll push back <laughs> on your pushback but on a matter of terminology I think that's tasks I think goals are bigger than uh that. I mean tasks goals you know you, you like your english language i'm i am less so <laughs> i i think the idea is that yes get things done time box stuff and have lists and tick 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 but also have the larger idea the the meta the meta context of where you're headed and where you want to be and the person that you look like when you get there and then as long as you're taking steps towards that like uh neil gaiman's commencement speech the whole move towards the mountain make good art as long as you're doing that then you're succeeding because creating in this fashion in a way that people want to do it outside of the money-making angle of it it's just a human trait at the very basics you're not supposed to get get good at it unless you want to but you can still do it without that intention so you have to figure out what your intention is and be radically responsible understand for yourself and with yourself what it is that you do that stops you from achieving your goals or that slows you down and actively address yeah. that stuff that's where you're going to find the most the highest so leverage. i just looked back at uh, southern sky's question and it said any mm-hmm. tips on balancing work nine to five and doing freelance on the side uh and i think that specifically freelance on the side of a nine to five is a whole nother kettle of fish. So That's... what we've been talking about is more specifically on just getting good during a nine to five, but freelance during a nine mm-hmm. to five, I don't know what you've, tr- you're going to find yeah, it. What, tough. I've, I, what I've tried um, was really just not, not good. <laughs> so, so we've been mostly talking about, uh, sorry. What... I, guess, I guess it depends on whether he needs it. He, I guess it depends on whether they need it to fund their lifestyle, whether they're looking to 
increase their income or whether they're doing it because they want to get into the CG industry eventually. Because I've been looking at it as they want to transfer from what they're doing to what they would like to be doing. Uh, but I guess there exists the possibility that he's fine where he... I'm doing it again. Apologies. They are looking at it in a way that they just want to have it additively and then stay in that state. And that's where I would say don't because everything in seasons. If you need to work a bit harder, if you do need to put those hours in, sure, do it. You're going to find it hard. You need to look at mindfulness. You need to look at productivity, time boxing, all of these things. But I would not plan to stay yeah. there. You're always in motion. You're never stationary. You need to choose which direction you're going in. Are you going to wind up the freelance eventually, or are you going to move into the freelance and give up the day job? Because I don't see a way that you can hold yourself in that state indefinitely. Yeah, that's 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 very true. Like I, I when I was working in architecture, I I'd have colleagues that they would do a little bit of freelance here and there, but it was it it was either with the goal to work for yourself eventually uh as a transition thing out of where they currently are which which is very difficult mm. which can be very difficult to do as you and i are finding out or they would do it just on a side here and there once every few months uh just to make a bit of extra money you know i, I had one friend that and, would, and that comes down to yeah. the goal setting because you need to know what yeah, your and i had one is. friend that he he was doing it on the side and he he just had to stop because he didn't have any actual long-term goals with his freelance. He was just doing it for a bit of extra money. And there came a point where he just, he was just overworked. And, you know, when you... Because at that point, you're running a business. You're not just doing work on the side. You are running a business. You have, you know, you have, you have tax responsibilities. You have to keep up with your logging of everything. Like freelance is a full-time job if you yeah. take it seriously. And so I think, for Southern Skies, I th I think it's it really depends if you're if if you're doing it just without the intention of transitioning out of work, then I'd say do it carefully without burning yourself out. So don't just take job after job back to back because you will burn out. Your resource is the stability you have you can say no to jobs. Wait until there are good jobs that get you where you want to go in a fashion yeah. that doesn't break and your I back. To, if, if you're someone that wants to use freelance to transition out of where you currently are, I I, I think that it's going to be, it's very hard and I don't know if there's any, any way to long-term sustainably work full-time and freelance at the same time. So, you you've got to have at least we've we've never found that that's not to say that it's not possible but at least where we are and where we're coming from the experiences that we've had lead us to that same conclusion which is kind of why we're doing this get good project in the first place is because the idea was that if only we had more time yeah. you know and like, so for me when i was trying to freelance while working full time i i'd wake up before i go to work do do freelance then I would, and, and it's, it's different to just doing the art that I like because you actually have a, a client that you are responsible for, you know, providing a service to. So there's a bit of pressure behind that of getting some work done before mm. work and then you go to work 
and you know if you're really busy then you do a bit of work on your break so you don't get a real break and then you know you go home from work and you try to do as much as you can and it's really hard to have just an hour a day when you're doing freelance because it's and you have to lock that down though like you, have, you really have to lock that down because freelance can be as stressful as you let yeah. it become and so you need to you need to manage the stress you need to and if you're going into freelance while working full time you do need to set some clear expectations with your clients of and, and we did talk about this when they can expect yeah, communication make, make it make it so that they they understand you know, you don't have to be really clear about your circumstances so that you're working nine to five, but you should be clear on a a realistic time frame for you to get this done. Because if you if you aren't realistic about that and you shorten the timeline, then you are really going to push your blood pressure up and disappoint them in the process. Like if you're only working on this a couple hours in the evening outside of your day job, make sure your client knows that. Like. It's people, people want to suppress their circumstances. They want to come across as the, you know, the slick wheeler and dealer who's got everything under control. People want to know what's actually happening. Say, I'm working on it in these hours because of the following reasons. And if they go through with you, they are aware, they are aware of that. You're not going to surprise them. They don't have unmanaged expectations. And, you know, you, you could, you could, you know, deter some clients with that, but the... I, probably not the ones at you the want. same time if you if you don't set realistic expectations for them then you know you can definitely end up in a really bad situation where you 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 are very stressed during the project and then by the end of it you've let them down or they feel like they're just not happy with the service and then that makes you going from feeling bad to worse and that's where you burn and out it, it could affect it could also affect your future prospects if they then go away and talk about you in a negative yeah. light. So, sometimes not getting a client, no matter how good an opportunity is, is the right yeah, decision. Sometimes, and especially if, I, I don't know how much this person has experience in uh, freelance, it's very tempting to take every job that comes along. Um, but sometimes you, you just can't take it you know, because sometimes they might not be paying enough or sometimes you yeah. just can't realistically that, do the job in the time that they want. And if you have a secure nine to five job, your power is to be picky. You get to be picky and I encourage you to be picky because if I have ever ignored a single red flag, they're like cockroaches, man. They there's If you see one, there's plenty under the yeah, floorboards. Yeah, I think to, to go back to... The, the sort of point that we were making is that make sure that you have an expectation of what you want to do for freelance. Is it something you want to do on the side to make money? Then do it at a rate that you can sustain yourself. You're going to have to figure out for yourself what that rate is in terms of you know the frequency of when you can do that. And, you know, it's just you're just going to have to figure out the times of the days where you are most productive, be that in the morning or the evening. Personally, I I feel like it's going to be the morning for a lot of people once you've sort of woken up because that's when you've got the most mental clarity. And don't default to freelance either. If you want to don't default Mm. to freelance, because if you, if you want to work in CG in general, 
freelance is not the first and only option. In fact, I would even say that it's more of an advanced option for a beginner. Like you might get better leverage out of doing products and selling them through an asset store because that hour that you have to make something in aggregate might end up as a better income stream selling things rather than uh, dealing with a, a a client and then having to be so a business. I've, I've listened to some other podcasts about CG um, I think it was Blender Nest and they did talk about that uh, about you know making models online and they said from their experiences making and selling models online is really not a profitable thing to do unless you have a massive library that you spent a long time building up and then it's like a it's a full-time job but that's that's what the consistency gets you and also the more important thing is that if you're a beginner you're getting experience selling something understanding input output getting through the entire process so i guess it depends on what level you're at because get having something on gumroad and then plugging that is eventually going to make more money than freelance it's just that you know there's a couple ways you can make money there's products there's client services and then there's more nuanced stuff like speaking engagements and things like that once you've got a bit more of a presence but services and clients that's the most immediate way to make money so if you need money you do that but I would say that brand building and product building is actually a better long-term solution. Uh, Multiple income streams as well, because we talked about this on our different ways to make money as a, as a freelance artist. You don't rely on one. You do them all as much as you can. And I, I know we, we just finished saying that you probably don't have time to do that, but I would try it all out and see which one fits better with your lifestyle. Because in my opinion... As we've said, you can't hold yourself in that position forever. You have to transition into one over the other. You're better off exploring in this time and figuring out what it is that you actually want to do mm. long term because that's where you're going to find the energy and the effort to actually take it through to a good state of completion that you're proud of and want to keep yeah. doing. And Yeah, you've got to, you've got to figure out... <clears throat> sorry, if you want to freelance full-time and if you want to freelance full-time then you you kind of need a game plan to look at how that transition is going to work for you uh and that that's going to depend on so many factors of where you live what your current income is like you know all of your personal consider also working with people yeah yeah collaboration because if you don't have a lot of time somebody else might if you have a skill set that they don't, but they have a lot of time, you could come to an agreement. Yeah, yeah, you can you can find other people that, you know, if you don't have time to do a certain task within your freelancing job, you can hire someone else to do that specific task within, you know, the project. And that's that's somewhere that I, I personally would like to begin to explore because I think time being my premium, I sort of value my time over my... Uh, value really in a lot of cases and as I start to sort of put together multiple income streams I'm going to be looking at ways to keep my focus on the thing I'm good at and offload other tasks that are not that to other people yeah 
in exchange for either, you know, money or in exchange for revenue share or, you know, whatever the agreement you can come up with or whatever works for both parties. But I think the more creative you get going into this future of more remote work, work from home to tie it back around to the other question, the new normal is going to have a few more opportunities. And I, I advise anybody to keep an open mind as we move forward because some of the stuff will change. Multiple income streams is definitely a sustainable long-term thing for you to make some money on the side of whatever you're doing. It's just it's something that you've got to put a lot of groundwork in and it's going to take a long time to build that up. But when you when you grind at something for a long time, the, the, bar, the, the line or the graph or whatever is going to be your, your, your growth is going to be very flatlining for a very long time. And then eventually it'll go up a little bit and then it'll go up a little bit more. And then suddenly it will start to spiral upwards. And that's kind of just what happens when you plant a lot of seeds everywhere and you grind at it for a long time. And that really depends you know, how long it takes is variance on the thing that you, that you do. Also, as you are going upwards, you will plateau occasionally, and that doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's your fault. It just means that the opportunity is not currently there. So, well, be kind. Yeah, to and yourself. Th- there's a there's a limit to everything. Yeah, and there's a limit to how much work there is in a marketplace, and the best time to start was yesterday, you know, and the second best time to start yeah. is now. So the longer you've been in that place, the more likely you are to find that opportunity because. Luck doesn't exist. It's just preparation meeting opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 going to come down to your positioning. And that's where things like just having a platform help. Where just being present, having a way for people to contact you, even to just down to like when you put a showreel together, have some contact information on it. Let people come at you. Like if you have like a something that you want to be just producing for fun that you give away for free, have a way for people to donate to you. Yeah. Don't make the decision of value for other people and don't make the decision of when you're ready to do it for other people. Because if they see their work, if they see your work and they like it and they want more work from you, that's yeah. their decision. And so Chris, before we wrap this all up, could you talk a little bit mm-hmm. about say Say you're someone that's working full-time and you want to be a full-time freelancer. What what are your thoughts, suggestions, mm. and experience on this? Don't start by saying, okay, I'm a freelancer now and telling everybody that you're freelancing. Start by spending the time to prepare, figure out what service you're, services you're going to offer and to whom. Do some groundwork. Do all of the weird, boring, businessy stuff that people who are far less interesting than you talk about. Go and do a class if you need to. Prepare. No time spent preparing is time wasted because if you get up to your eyes in work and you haven't made a plan for how to do the work and how to get out of that gracefully, you're going to be in just as much trouble as if you didn't have the work because that's how much you're going to get paid at the end of it if you don't do it. Yeah, you're going to be in a world of pain if you're not prepared. And so... There is is no point in freelancing unless you're prepared. And so what's your experience in this? 
what all do you your mean? experience in uh, working nine to five and uh, you know shifting or wanting to shift to freelance? So originally, um, it depends on what time you catch me. I've had a bit of an eclectic uh, work process. I I try not to be in a nine to five as much as possible, but there are obviously times in life where you do get into that situation. And that's why I started this out by saying I really sympathize with people in that position because personally, I've, I've never made it work to my satisfaction. I've made it work. I've never made it work to my satisfaction. And so the primary example is that trying to settle into a day job is something that I've done a couple of times where it's a nine to five, you're doing your, you know, you rock up in the morning, you turn your brain off, you do your dues, you get back home at the end of the day. Um, I, I don't like to go into specifics of where I work and what I was doing. Cause I feel like that's just <laughs> putting base, basic ne- negativity out into the universe. But the fact is that a lot of those jobs I did not enjoy mm. very much and they drained me from the energy to do what I wanted to be doing in the time I didn't have. And that's enough of a motive like the th- the thing is that to be successful you need to be running towards something but you also need to be running away from something because if you're running to just just running towards something that goal will lose its sheen the moment things become difficult yeah. if you're running away from something you never get complacent i know you've got a boogeyman after you. the lifestyle i don't want to have you've got a boogeyman after you that you need to escape from yeah and so you you constantly have that pressure to say if i don't do this well if i don't do it right i'll end up back in that place and that's unacceptable to me and that's what gives you the power to keep moving forward and in terms of transitioning from 9 to 5 to full-time freelance what's your what's your thoughts and experiences around that i'm going to have to get back to you on that one because it's a tricky question isn't it <laughs> transitioning it's- Transitioning fully is what I'm in the position of doing now. I'm either going to be transitioning into a full-time day job in the field that I want to be in, which is animation, or I'm going to restart my freelance business and lean more fully into my multiple streams of income. I've not actually made that decision yet because I'm waiting to see what opportunity occurs because it's week two of lockdown here in Melbourne and there is no... There is no vaccine on the horizon for any of us. So it's it's kind of hard to, to say this is what I'm going to do in that position, but I've created multiple circumstances where I would be, at least in the medium term, content with where I end up. And in the past, honestly, it's pr- been pretty choppy and changey. Um, I've just followed opportunity in a fashion that I do the work here. When that runs out, I go get a job. When I get sick of the job, I quit the job. I go do some more yeah. work. When that runs out, I bounce back and forth. And like I've I've run my own um, animation startup. Like I run my own adverti- advertising startup for a while there. And I've um, been a lecturer and tutor at the university. It's just I've been trying to focus on being in the spaces that I can get to that are the closest to what I want to be doing. And so maybe that doesn't make me the best person to talk on freelancing on the side to nine to five as it is, because my solution has always been to get out of the nine to five. Maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's a cop out, 
I guess it's kind of up for people to decide from their own circumstances. Yeah, I, I'm in a little bit of the same boat for that. I'm, I'm wanting to, instead of animation, go to more stylized modeling and texturing, uh, hand-painted. And I've got a... I, I'm sort of looking at, you know, getting good at that so I can get a job in a studio, but then also maybe I want to go freelance and have multiple revenue streams. And so at the moment I'm, I've got some clients on the horizon. I've sent out some quotes and by the looks of it, those will be going ahead for me. And so I'm just kind of seeing uh, what comes from that while at the same time trying to have my cake and eat it when I get good to get a job in a studio, if that's somewhere that I can sort of take that. So I guess the, the, the transition for me, and I think the transition, it's, I don't think there's any sort of set advice that you can really give people other than be extremely careful if you want to go from full-time stable work. Uh, and are you, more, more careful than you would think. Like if you think you're being careful enough, be 50% more yeah. careful than like that. You can never be careful. Oh, well, uh, actually, no, that you, you, you can be, you too, can careful. be too careful. It can paralyze you. Because and you do you need to take moving. a risk. The, but, there comes a point where you have to just jump out uh, the window. But from what I've seen in myself, my business partners, and from my students even, I've never seen anybody go into freelance and say, maybe I should stop and think about this because they're too excited, especially if it's the first mm. time they've done it. They just say, okay, I now offer this service. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. that's, uh, dude, I've been that person. <laughs> like I, yeah. so so for me at, at, at the moment, I I was working in architecture and I thought, look, I can't, I can't do freelance and do full-time work at the same time. I, I just can't do it. It's this, this is just not working for me. I, I don't have the energy to, to be able to sustain this. So I thought, look, I'm just going to resign and I'm going to get a housemate. I'm going to work, you know, one or two days a week in a cafe and I'm just going to get good. And, you know, it. I had a lot of people in my life be like, what are you doing? You know, like just mm. be really... So sketchy, like because because it does look well, like a massive to step get back. look to get radical, yeah, like to get radical results, you need to take radical mm. action, and radical action is to be by its nature quick. You don't have time to get everybody on side, but you take the action, and then you do need to get at least the people closest mm. to you on side, because if if you constantly have that little worm in your ear telling you that it's not going to work, I am fortunate that. I've always been very lucky with the people around me being very supportive, but I can understand if you get into a position where somebody's always sort of bringing you down and lowering your expectations of your own goal, that, yeah, that's, that's not a, that's not a path to success. And like sort of circling back around to what we're doing at the moment, it is unique. It is radical action. Like I didn't, I'm not currently seeking work in a fashion that I normally would. Normally when I'm out of work, the first thing I'm doing is trying to get back into work. But what I haven't yet tried, because none of that really worked, what I haven't yet tried is to actually take the time with a bit of runway that I that I had stored up 
to actually put a portfolio together that I can be proud of so that I have the confidence to then go and get work that is of a higher level. Take some time to step back and really prepare yourself because like you say, you know, time spent. No time spent planning yeah. is time wasted. And so far that's yeah. panning out. Um, can't say with the outcome, but I do enjoy, I do enjoy the progress that i've made so far and i encourage anybody who's in a similar position to do the same but it does require people to be on your side otherwise you won't you won't feel able to do it you won't feel like you're you're allowed to you'll feel like you're taking something and you're going to feel like you're taking a step back in life you know going from going from somewhere where you have a career uh or, or the start of a career, and you know you're you're in a position that people all over the world would kill for. You know, there's some people that are just in really bad circumstances in life, and what they would do for a full time mm. job. You know, we we are we are very well, privileged might... in a sense to to have that, but at the same time, yes, you know, it's it's not for everybody. Everybody, and you know, you sort of have to acknowledge that you are in a privileged circumstance no matter how flawed it may be and then once you step away from that it's going to be you can let it be shameful or you can let it be humbling for me it it could be you know i i now work uh you know one or two days a week in a cafe across the road from where i live and it's an experience where it could feel very embarrassing if you let it because like you go from, you know, working in an architectural studio to serving someone coffee. Uh, and mm-hmm. you know, it, it could be the, the looks my family gave me when I told them that I was quitting my swanky, um, Californian tech job. Yeah. And, and the looks my, my family gave me was just like, or my girlfriend was just like, what are you, doing man you studied architecture for five or six years and you you spent all this time at work you spent all this time trying to get that job and you're you're just jumping out what are you doing the the trick is to feed off that is to look at that and be like yeah like this is the fuel for my eventual success because you look at the people who are looking at you like that and you're like at least now i know i'm taking radical action I know I'm not being complacent because people don't look at you like that if you're being complacent. And I'd say two, two things is, one, be very clear with your goals and expectations with yourself but with other people because once I was able to internalize that with myself and then talk to uh, my girlfriend about it and sort of explain what I'm doing, you have you know, to, yeah. and she can sort of see, she could see the rationality of what I was doing. Then it kind of goes... Oh right, okay. I I understand. You know, I'm a little bit more excited for you now. It's not going to be as easy for everybody. Um, and then the the other that the the people closest to you should be the people most able to understand that. But to be able to communicate that to them, thing. you have yeah, you have to first give up your own sense of shame or sense of like prestige. Because if, if you see these things as status symbols and if you feel like you're giving something up, then I don't necessarily think you're ready to take yeah. a step like and that. 
another sort of side point is, and it's a very sort of pragmatic point to make, but money. You know, you've got to, if you don't have savings, then don't quit your job. Yeah, straight up. If you don't have six months worth of runway that you've calculated to do so, don't yeah, take six like months. It's, you, you've got to get a, a runway of savings before you make any sort of risk like that. You know, I, I'm all about making risks, but they have to be calculated. And if you if you want to transition from full-time work to freelancing, then you're going to have to sort of say, well, I can't buy that house or I can't go on that holiday uh, because I'm going to be, you know, not not rich for a while. Congratulations. You're a small business owner and you are the only employee. Yeah. So nothing's going to happen unless yeah, you do it now. There's, there's going to be a time where you will be eating into your savings and you've, you've got to acknowledge that, you've got to budget that, you've got to expect what you see is an, a, uh, a, an acceptable deficit and you have to plan your failure because, you know, if you don't plan your failure, you're going to fail anyway. But if you plan your failure, then you will know that you're failing and you can adjust to that. It's also part of the plan, so you won't go into scarcity. Yeah, you mindset. can say, all right, well, look, I, I planned for this to happen, or I expected, or whatever, and I can you know, adjust for this. I've got a plan B, or I've got a way to sort of work around it. And if you have to go back to work, if it didn't quite work out that time, and you have to go and get more runway, do it. Because you know what the best thing about being a freelancer is, if being self-employed? There are no gaps on your resume ever yeah. from that point forward. When they say, what did you do in this time period? You say, I was self-employed. I was a freelancer. Exactly. Get get somebody else's metric for how well you did. If you were the world's worst freelancer, <laughs> A, they don't need to know that. And B, that's, that's subjective to them. If you say, I was self-employed doing this thing, who are they to yeah, argue? They, realistically, they might just ask you some questions about you know, your experience. And you don't want to lie to them. Obviously, you don't want to lie. Definitely to not. But you're not lying. You're saying I was self-employed. I was yeah. doing my own thing. It didn't quite work out. So here yeah. I am. Or, or you can say, well, it didn't quite work out. Or you say, look, I'm just you know, really missing a, a collaborative uh, you know, workspace. Yeah. Say, so, oh, you know, like the the benefits of working with and around other people for me outweighed the freedom that I expected to have in that environment. So I'm really looking more for a transition back into that environment. And your company looked like an amazing yada, 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 yeah. yada. Uh, but the only, I'd say the only thing is that you might look, if you do it too frequently or whatever, then you might, your, your resume might start. To well, look. that's just, that's just job jumping. Yeah. That's that. Yeah. Like you don't want a spotty resume. But if you took a chance, if you took six months and it didn't work out, that's a good story. Tell that story. People like to hear that. It shows initiative. It shows radical honesty. They know that when their production managers come to you and they say, you know, are you going to finish this on time? There's a high percentage chance that if you're not, you're going to tell them that because that's what they want to hear. I've got a friend who's a production manager and the number one thing he hated was people saying, oh, yeah. It's all on track, got it all under control. They reach the deadline. And they're like, actually, I haven't started. Yeah. Like, pe people think that employees don't want to hear that you're not on track, but it 
it gives them time to if, if you do say that then it gives them the expectation to prepare for what is going to eventuate which it is not going to get done on time which, which is better I, I than think sort of getting there and going oh yeah i'm actually behind um whoops yeah and that comes down to your attitude and yeah. how you spin that yeah. and I, I think honestly the radical honesty and the radical preparation those two things answer both of the questions we had today i know we tangented yeah. a I bit mean, there fine. but you know i always come back to have you seen neil gaiman's commencement speech the famous one i don't oh i, I think i saw it a long time ago yeah look it up on yeah. look it up on youtube it's uh neil, neil gaiman's commencement speech to a particular college it if you look up make good art neil gaiman you'll probably get it um his main point is always just move towards the mountain in whatever you're doing make sure you're moving roughly in the direction of where you know you want to be going and then you're not behind if you get there when you're 80 if you get there when you're 20 doesn't matter because the the purpose of life is to give life meaning and if you're giving it meaning in the way that you want to give it meaning, then you're not behind. Yeah, you're winning. Yeah, like if you if you don't really have you know sort of meaning in what you're doing, you're kind of just going to uh, work. Ext. Then it's it's going to be a yeah, lot harder and, for you. And if what you're doing right now is resting into a day job that you find comfortable because you don't have the energy because you're burned out you're still moving towards the mountain because getting out of burnout is moving and towards the mountain. And I will say, have a goal after your goal. Start. Uh, you don't have to have fleshed out goals, but ideas. Because once you start, say, say you set a goal and you reach that goal, what can happen to a lot of people is like, you know, for five minutes, they're like, yeah, I'm the king of the mountain. And then suddenly they go, they'll look at their watch and be like, <laughs> yeah what now? what now so like as you are <laughs> john travolta <laughs> yeah. meme yeah so as you as you get to that um that point of wondering like oh, oh, oh sorry of reaching that goal kind of start start to think what's next you know does it follow on or is it completely and different? keep in mind keep in mind that the grass is greener on the other side and always will be you need to learn to enjoy where you are and the journey to get there because it will not resemble the version of it you've created in your head because the version it's you've created fantasy. in your head comes from you and is your fantasy. That doesn't yeah. exist. What does exist is the journey to get there and how much meaning you can put into that. And, you know, when you set new goals after you've reached your goal, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to start again and rebuild from the ground up. You know, maybe that's what you want to do. I, I don't know if that's the best way to go about it, mm. but you... Some people love that. Some people want to burn yeah, it down and start that's, again. That's cool. But for a lot of people, it's I'd say once you've got that goal, you know, think of another goal of how you can grow this so that you don't get to a point and you're just twiddling your thumbs and go, wow, that was underwhelming. You know, you've got to keep the, you've got to keep up goals. You've got to constantly have goals. And you have to move laterally sometimes. You can't always be yeah. moving forward. And I think uh, just to, to sort of stake a claim that I hope I'll remember by the next podcast, I think I'd like to group a couple of the topics that we've 
sort of suggested in the past into one podcast next time, I'd like to finally hit rehabilitating a skill set. But the other two we were talking about were the Dunning-Kruger effect and how to go from zero to noob. Yeah, yeah, I like that, zero to noob. Because rehabilitating a skill set, like we've talked about before, moving from one thing to another thing and coming from zero to... I still don't know what I'm talking about, but I know yeah. why is kind of the same step, whether you're a beginner or whether you're a professional moving sideways. And that's an interesting process. And I, I think, I think both of us have a lot to say in that space. And I think it would lead on nicely from this one. So if that's uh, something that you'd be interested in, I think that that will be a good one. To yeah. Hit I'm down next for that. Week. That sounds like a good, that sounds like a good podcast. I, I was cool. thinking that you know those are the topics that we should be hitting next. So. I I think that I think Great. the the Dunning Kruger effect is something that that can hit me sometimes, and I I'm trying to be aware of when I'm being an idiot. Yeah, be, where be you a, are, yeah, like what where you are on Mount Stupid, which we'll talk a bit a bit bit more about because. <laughs> You know, there's a couple of different ones out there and it's sometimes yeah. hard to know exactly where you are, especially when it, the ground keeps changing yeah. underneath you. But uh, in the meantime, Mr. Jaden, where can people go to well, follow you, you online? Well, you go to Twitter and find me at JSTO underscore art. All social links in the bio or the description. Where can I find you? Great. Uh, you can find me at Animator Chris anywhere on the internet and... I am working on a new project called Y-Axis. It is questions about how to do 3D CG animation through the medium of asking why you would do a particular thing. It's a sort of a a PDF uh, email list that I'm working on. I would love it if everybody could uh, click on the link in the uh, bio for this episode and just sign up for that because if I get enough interest, I will be more likely to actually do it if you're interested in hearing more about that just shoot me a message either on social comment under the video or send us an email at chris and jaden at gmail.com and that's and a and d chris and jaden at gmail.com if you want your questions to be read on the podcast let us know yeah thanks for listening bye soon Okay, we're going to have to take that one again without the huge peak as you started talking. <laughs> uh, oh, are, you here, are you here for this? Because if you're going to be struggling through this. No, nah, I should be fine. Um, I was just getting a stretch out just before we do this. Okay. This better not make it to the podcast. Well, stop, <laughs> s- stop creating content. <laughs> it won't go in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, all right.